You know, during a wedding ceremony, a bride and a groom, they, they speak these familiar words, with this ring, I thee wed, and a marriage is born. A father and a mother, they hold their baby in their arms and they say, we promise to raise this child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And a family is born. A witness puts his hand on a Bible. A businessman signs his name to a contract. A friend vows to keep a secret. All of these things prove to us that we are a promise-making people. Marriages and families, friendships and businesses, churches and nations are all built upon promises. But here's another sad truth about us human beings. We are also a promise-breaking people. We say things like, I'll be there, and sometimes we're not. We say, you can count on me, and sometimes people can't. We say, you have my word, but sometimes we break it for the sake of convenience. We are truly a promise-making people, but sadly, we are also a promise-breaking people. And what's interesting about all this to me is that children learn very early on that big people are prone to breaking their promises. So they'll try to pin a big person down. Whenever a commitment is made by an adult to a child, often you'll hear these words spoken. Do you promise? Because to a kid, it's unthinkable that an adult would break a promise and not make good on that promise. So kids will attach little riders to a promise. Cross your heart. And if that's not enough, they say, hope to die. And you think that that would be enough because that's pretty serious consequences, but sometimes it's not. So they end it with the ultimate stick a needle in your eye. That's how serious kids are about promises. Well, as we continue in our New Year series from the book of Malachi, where we've been looking at God's standards of excellence, we are going to see that, that God also takes promises seriously. In preparation, you can go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter two. We'll get back to that in just a little bit. But this morning, we are gonna talk about reestablishing God's standard of relational excellence. Because at the very heart of relational excellence is this concept of promise-making followed by promise-keeping. The Bible has a different word that is used for a promise. It's the word covenant. Understand that a covenant is not a statement about my preferred outcome. A covenant is a sacred vow. It's a declaration of my heart and soul that says, this thing shall be so, no matter what. And what we're going to learn today is how God set the standard for covenant keeping by modeling what a covenant keeper looks like. In the very beginning in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God makes a covenant to all mankind. He promises to care for them. He promises to give them breath and life and food and meaningful work and, and relational intimacy. And in turn, God asks Adam and Eve to promise to obey one single command. 
Just one. And they didn't do that. They broke faith and covenant with God. And at that moment, the entire world was holding its breath to see how God would respond to these covenant breakers. Will he turn his back and say, the deal's off, I'm out of here? Amazingly, he doesn't. He, he disciplines them for their disobedience, but then he turns around and he makes a second covenant. He says, one day, I'm going to send someone who will redeem men and women from the evil one. I will redeem them from the curse of sin. And so our amazing God keeps his original covenant to care for mankind, but he also establishes another covenant. But human beings continue to remain unfaithful to God. In fact, in Genesis 6, 5, it says this, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. So God sent a great flood to stop all the destruction. But in verse eight it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so God saved Noah and his family. And after the flood, God came to Noah and he said, I will establish another covenant with you and your descendants and with every living creature on the face of the earth. Never again, God said, will there be a flood that will destroy the whole world. And I will give you a sign of this covenant. covenant. And the sign of that covenant with Noah was a rainbow. God said, whenever you see a rainbow, you remember my covenant that I will keep my vow, that I will honor my word to never again destroy the earth with a flood. But as always, the human race is very slow to learn. And once again, people go in their own direction. And yet God refuses to give up on his covenant. So God came once more to a very old man named Abram. And he says, Abram, I am going to make a covenant with you. You are going to be called Abraham. And you are going to be the father of a great nation. And I know it's hard to believe, God says, because you're 99 and your wife is 89, but the two of you are going to have a baby. You might very well be the only family at Walmart shopping for Pampers and Depends at the same time. <laughs> but you will be the father of a great nation. And I will also give you a sign of this covenant that I am making. And the sign of God's covenant with Abraham was circumcision. And I can't help but think that old Abraham was thinking, how come Noah got a rainbow? <laughs> Why circumcision, God? Couldn't we have a secret handshake or something like that? Listen, I don't know why God chose circumcision, but he did. Maybe he decided that they needed something to really help them remember the covenant as well and not be casual about it. But that was the sign of the new covenant. Well, human beings were still faithless. And so God came to a man named Moses and he said, Moses, I promise that I will deliver you and my people from slavery. I will lead you out of the land of Egypt and I will give you and your descendants a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I will be your God. 
and you will be my people. And as a sign of God's covenant to Moses, he gave the Ten Commandments on tablets, and they were placed in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. And every time the people saw it, they remembered that they were a people of the promise and that they served a a covenant-keeping God. But in spite of all this, the people remained unfaithful. And yet God would still not give up on his promise. So God sent his son Jesus, the one that he had promised before, to come and to teach them about the faithfulness of God. And on the night before he died, he stood before his disciples and he held up the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. So the sign of God's new covenant to mankind was Jesus and his shed blood. Now this covenant included the promises of God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. But what was new about it is now it is written in Jesus' blood. Because the cross, ladies and gentlemen, is the ultimate expression of God's promise to his children. God says, I will love you no matter what. Cross my heart, hope to die. And so it's essential for me to preface this message today by pointing out the fact that God is not just a covenant maker, but he is a covenant keeper. And there are three characteristics that make God an excellent covenant maker. Number one, God never never enters into a covenant in a rash way. He never makes a quick promise for convenience sake and then says to himself later, what was I thinking? God always thinks very carefully before he makes a promise. Number two, God never goes back on his word. It doesn't matter what the cost. It doesn't matter how inconvenient. God has never failed to honor a single commitment or forgotten the tiniest promise. The apostle Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, because God never goes back on his word. And perhaps the most impressive one God is faithful to us even though we are notorious promise breakers. This one is is amazing to me. We get into trouble, we repent, we promise to change, but when the pain subsides, when the trouble goes away, we turn right around and forget our promise or break our word to God and to other people. That's the way us humans do things. And yet even then, God never slips even one degree south of total trustworthiness, not one, because he is incapable of bad faith. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Ladies and gentlemen, God set the standard for commitment, for promise, for covenant. He says, I will keep my covenant with you no matter what. He is a covenant-making, covenant-honoring God, and that is really good news for you and me. So you're probably wondering what all of that has to do with Malachi, aren't you? Well, as we learned last week, 
Malachi is what I would call a, a straight shooting prophet. And if you think Malachi was blunt last week about offering God our blemished lambs, wait till you hear what he has to say about covenant breaking. I ask you to find your way to Malachi chapter two because we're gonna be reading this morning and I'll be reading today from the new revised standard version. And I want you to go down to verse 10, Malachi 2.10. He asks, have not all, have we all, excuse me, let me start again. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our ancestors? Malachi is asking, why do we profane the covenant, which is so holy to God, by breaking faith with other people? Husband to wife, parent to child, friend to friend, Christian to Christian. Let me tell you how seriously God takes this covenant breaking. Because at this point, Malachi is addressing the priests in this chapter, men who have broken covenant by failing in their commitments to the people. They had made a promise to be spiritual guides to those who needed guidance. They promised to offer sacrifices, to engage in worship, but they blew off their relational commitments with the people. So listen to what God has to say to them in Malachi 2.3. He says, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. The dung of your offerings, the livestock that they were bringing to, 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 for offering, I will put you out of my presence and I will put you out of my presence. Another translation says, you will be discarded with it. God says through Malachi, you offer a sacrifice and you go through all the motions of worship when in reality, you are a covenant breaker. Therefore, I'll be as extreme as I know how to be. I will spread manure on your face to let you know that I take covenant breaking between human beings very, very seriously. God's standard of covenant keeping is, is utter faithfulness. And, and, and God expects our commitment to this standard to be dead serious. So I wanna spend the remainder of our time this morning looking at what I believe to be the key covenant relationships in all of life. And I'm gonna ask all of you to open your hearts this morning and allow scripture to challenge you to raise the bar of excellence in all of your relations and to pursue God's standard of, of covenant keeping in honoring the commitments that you have made and by being true to your word. And the first one that I wanna talk about this morning is the marriage covenant. Look at Malachi 2.13. And this you do as well. You cover the Lord's altar with tears with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor at your hand. He says, you're coming here to worship and to pray, but you're not getting your prayers answered and you weep about that. On to verse 14, you ask, why does he not? Because the Lord was a witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. 
God says, don't be under this illusion that your worship and your prayers are acceptable to me when you treat your spouse in a way that's unacceptable. That is husband to wife and wife to husband. The same thing is mentioned in the New Testament in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, paying honor to the woman as the weaker sex, since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life. And get this, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. What a sobering statement. God makes both in Malachi and 1 Peter. If you break faith with your spouse, don't bother coming to me with your wish list. He says, don't even waste your breath. And then comes one of the strongest statements in all of the scriptures in Malachi 2.16. God says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and covering one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So take heeds to yourselves and do not be faithless. Let me just say something to all the married people here today. If you're married, you didn't make a bargain and you didn't make a transaction. You made a vow. You made a promise. You entered into a covenant and the violation of a covenant is very serious in God's eyes. Many folks these days view marriage as a conditional transaction, if you will. If you meet my needs and if it makes sense for me to stay married, well, then I'll stay married. But if you don't, if, 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 if you don't and I tend to start outgrowing you, if things start to get difficult in our home, if I decide that I'm not willing to make an effort anymore, if I get an offer that's a better offer somewhere else, then I'm free to go. I'm gonna head on out that door. But in God's eyes, marriage is a covenant and it is built on a promise that leads to a very different outcome. If you are married, as I said, you made a promise. And if you're wearing a wedding ring today, I want you to take a look at it for a moment. Just look at your ring because it is a sign of the covenant that you made, just like the rainbow was a sign. And I just wanna ask you this morning, How is your promise going? You said before God and all of those witnesses on your wedding day, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. That was a promise. Crossed my heart. You promised to offer selfless love. You promised to be a servant to share what you have, to laugh and cry and dance together. And when you fought, you agreed that you would fight fairly and clean and you would make it through to the other side. You offered a love that would would sink deeper than crow's feet or receding hairlines or bulging waistlines. You didn't say, I promise to do these things if you behave well or if you don't age or if you're not attractive to me anymore, or you don't meet my standards, you said, I promise. You said, cross my heart. I want to invite every couple in this room to sit down and ask your spouse, how am I doing with my covenant that I've made with you? Is there any area where I'm breaking faith? 
You need to have conversations like that. In March, Lisa and I are going to be married 25 years. And neither of us have taken the big exit. But there have certainly been times when I have withdrawn. There have been times when I should have engaged and didn't. There have been times when I've gotten cold, when I should have been connected. There are times when I've hidden, when I should have been out in the light. And although we have a great marriage like every couple, neither of us is perfect. Can anybody relate to that? But with the help and the grace of God, we've kept going on and we've continued to try to grow in our marriage covenant together. But I know that there are people here who've experienced a broken marriage covenant. Maybe your marriage ended because your spouse was unfaithful to you. Maybe you, your marriage ended because it was an abusive, a physically abusive relationship and you needed to get out. Or maybe there was misbehavior on your part. And even though you've tried rebuilding the relationship, at least at this moment, it doesn't seem like a possibility. Well, I just want to tell you that doesn't always stand. There's always a chance for that to be rebuilt later on God's timeline and in his way. But I want you to hear me out this morning. God says, I hate divorce, but he doesn't say, I hate divorced people. The Bible does not separate the human race into, into two camps, good, respectable, non-divorced people and bad divorced people. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all in one big category, for all have sinned. But please remember that all can be redeemed. That means everyone. So if you've experienced a broken marriage covenant, you need to receive God's grace and mercy, and this church can be a healing community for you. However, it's also important to do one more thing. It's important for you to reset the standard for excellence in covenant keeping. You must understand this takes real character because here's what happens sometimes. People go through the pain of a, of a broken covenant through divorce and they never reset the standard. And subsequently, they, they end up grinding through one relationship after another. And sadly, they engage in a lifestyle of serial or covenant breaking. Don't do that. You need to stop and you need to reset the bar. You need to say, Lord, I, I will learn from my past. I will take the time to get great clarity on what went wrong, what I did wrong in that relationship. I will look hard into areas that I need to change, areas that I need to grow, and I, need to, and I will get into an accountable, uh, accountability community. I will do whatever I need to do to live my life as a covenant keeper. I hope that you experience God's grace, and I hope you take the effort to reset the bar of relational excellence in your life. Here's the second important area of life that I want to talk about, and it's the parent covenant. And this isn't like a wedding where you said vows and made promises, because when a child arrives on the scene, they, you don't have to make any promises to get them. They just show up. Yet there's still a covenant there. 
the parent covenant. And there are two clauses to that parent covenant. And the first one is the reflection clause. I once saw the comic strip of the family circus. I used to love that when I was a kid and even as an adult where little Jeffrey is riding a tricycle through his house and he's yelling out, move it, stupid, make up your mind, you idiot. And the next frame shows Jeffrey's mother looking concerned and she says, Jeffrey, what are you doing? And Jeffrey says, I'm driving like daddy. <laughs> and the truth is, every parent eventually sees more and more of their own reflection in their children, don't we parents? It's pretty convicting when you hear your children using the same whining words that you used in your last gripe session with your spouse. But thankfully, we also see good traits within our children that have come from us. So the first part of, of keeping the parent covenant is for us to ask ourselves, what would happen if my children imitated my actions on the road? That's a big one for me. I get angry on the road. I'm just telling you, I've told you that before. Or my attitude at the checkout counter. Or my angst in the kitchen after a tough day. Or my service to my church or my generosity to God's work. It's pretty sobering thought when you stop and think about it. Well, the second clause in the parent covenant is the no matter what clause. And it goes this way. No matter what, I will be there for you. I will love you and I will equip you for life. I will feed you. I will read to you. I will teach you how to throw a ball, how to ride a bike. I will teach you about friendship, about work, about men and women, about love and money. I'll teach you about what's right and what's wrong. And most importantly, I'll teach you that we serve a God in heaven. And when the time comes, I'll let you go with no strings attached, no matter what. Listen, maybe your child is one of the brightest and the best. I don't know. They get wonderful grades. They may embark on a successful career that makes you look like a genius. Or maybe your child will struggle and reject your values and run away from your home. And yes, even defy the God that you serve. But either way, you made a promise, and it's the no matter what clause. And you will only get released from that clause when one of you dies. That's why that covenant is most like our covenant with our Heavenly Father, because the promise never ends, and neither should our promise with our children. Yes, even while they're adults. So how are you doing with that promise? Are you devoting enough time to your children? Do you cherish your child's dreams? Do you encourage them to follow their dreams? Or do you inflict your own dreams on them all along the way? Are you providing enough toughness, enough discipline when it's required? Even if it means you're going to be unpopular? Or are you looking the other way? Do you ever make promises to your kids that you don't follow through with? Do you ever say that you'll do something when you don't really mean it just to get them off your back at that moment? Are you teaching them to be covenant keepers? Well, that's the parent and child covenant. 
The third kind of covenant I want to talk about is the friendship covenant. The Bible calls a friend a gift from God. So if you have a friend, they are a gift from God. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says God's gifts, gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. In other words, they last forever. I hear people say, I lost a good friend, and I think to myself, no, you didn't, because if you truly had a friend that was given to you by God as a gift, that friendship cannot be withdrawn. It will last forever. So if you have a friend, cherish them, because they're a gift from God. Make a loyalty promise that you will not betray their trust or wish, uh, wish harm on them, and that you will pray for them. Make a truth promise. Grant them the permission to speak into your life so that you can avoid blind spots and really start to grow. I've made this promise with our church board. Those guys are my, not just my board, but they're my friends. I've told them, look, you see something in me that you don't like. You see something in me. If you see me coming up here on Sundays and you feel like I'm calling it in, you need to tell me this. I already know I'm gonna know it before they see it. But sometimes you need somebody to come up to you and say, hey, something's wrong. You're off, buddy. And I've given them permission to speak into my life that way. And I hope and pray they never have to. But if they do, I'm sure it'll be painful. But I've given them the ability to do that. And that's what we need to do with our friends. We also need to make a caring promise that you'll be there for them during the most difficult times of, in need. How are you doing in the friendship covenant? How are you doing with the promises of, of loyalty and truth and caring? Is there some repair work that needs to get done within your friendship covenant? Well, the fourth and very common covenant we deal with is the financial covenant. I have a friend who was involved in business dealings with some people he trusted, and he later found out that they weren't trustworthy at all. And when the truth came out, he was nearly ruined financially, almost lost everything he had ever saved. And through this whole process of feeling betrayed, it's, it's almost like someone had ripped his heart out. And it left him wondering, can anybody in this world really be trusted? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because someone has made a promise and they shook your hand and they said, you can count on me but then they broke faith and they violated your trust and you too have had your heart broken all because people in the business world have broken faith with you in some way, shape or form. Let me ask you if this describes you, will you have the character to say enough though I've been hurt, Though I've been betrayed in my financial dealings, I will maintain an excellent standard of covenant keeping just like God does, even though he had been betrayed. I will place integrity above all else, above profits in my deal making, in my negotiating, in my expense report I send in every month, in my supervising and in my managing. I will never make a rash promise. I will honor the commitments that I make. I will never say I'm on top of it when I'm not. Even if other people break faith, my word will be my bond. Sadly, our world is full of people 
who don't take these financial covenants seriously. And it has become so commonplace that it's as though we have come to expect it. But let me just say something. As followers of Christ Jesus, one area where we should really shine is in these financial commitments. Let's be a people of integrity and make good on our financial commitments because this is such a vital area of life. Lastly, and most importantly, I want to talk about spiritual covenants. I'm talking about your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with the church body. We've learned throughout the Bible that even with the many covenants God has made with his people, that we often walk out. We often break covenant with God. People get lured again and again and again by sin, and sadly, many will walk away from their faith. And here's something that I want to say regarding this. You might fall and you might sin, but there is no reason that you need to walk away. That is why God has given us his forgiveness. That's why God gives us his grace. So when you fall, you confess that sin, and God is faithful to cover that sin with his blood, with his grace. But there is a certain phenomenon that I have seen within my years of ministry in the church. And when it all is broken down, it's all about pride. It's when people make a mistake and sin. And when they do, they worry about what other people think. Instead of continuing on knowing that God has forgiven you of your sin, and as the Bible says, he has cast your sin as far away as the east is from the west, which I might add he does, people will stay in a broken covenant based upon not wanting to face people because of what they've done. In other words, they care more about what people think than what God thinks. Let me tell you something. There is not a perfect person in this room. We are all sinners that have been saved by God's grace. And you may sin and you may fall in a very public, colossal way, and you may be embarrassed, but understand we are all in need of God's grace every moment of every day. I can assure you that others of us have sinned that day as well, just in more private, less public ways. Through lacking love, through copying a rotten attitude in a situation, by belittling someone, by gossiping, even gossiping and making it a prayer request, not being completely honest about something. Sin is sin. God does not have a severity scale of sin. We human beings, we've created that. Well, at least my sin is as bad as his. How foolish we are. It's foolishness to compare ourselves to other sin, our sin to somebody else's sin, and think you're off the hook. So we refuse to get caught up in this what will people think syndrome, whereby you break covenant with God because you're afraid to face your brothers and sisters in the Lord face to face. If someone comes to you and has words regarding your stupid, sinful mistake that you've made, then I would say that that person knows very little about grace. Not only do they lack grace as a social skill, 
but they clearly don't understand or have not received God's grace themselves. Because once you've experienced the grace of God in your own life, you will extend it to others. You will learn to walk in grace. And likewise, you will be gracious with other people because you would say, there but for the grace of God go I. The truth is God will never break covenant with you. But should you choose to, you can break covenant with God. But why in the world would anybody do that? God has given you everything that you need to live a life that, that honors his sacrifice, to walk away from your past, to walk away from your mistakes. He has forgiven you of your sin. He has empowered you with his spirit. So there's absolutely no reason for anyone to break covenant with God. God's covenant is unlike anything else. And it is the most important covenant of your life. And one, I might add, that you should always treasure. And if and when you do sin, God has a remedy for your sin. It's called forgiveness. It's called grace. And, though, and through that, you need not break covenant with him. But I want to talk about another spiritual covenant regarding your covenant with fellow believers in the church. Whether you understand it or not, this body of believers is a family. We are a family in that we gather together to worship and to serve God together. But like with any family, feathers can get ruffled. Sometimes people experience misunderstandings with one another, and people can get their feelings hurt. Well, welcome to the human race. God made us individually different for a whole variety of reasons, and I believe with all my heart one of those reasons is to train us to learn to live together in harmony and to work through our differences to work through differing leadership styles, different teaching styles, worship styles, differing lifestyles, and, and the like. I say this to make my next point. Too many people find it way too easy to leave a church body for the most insignificant reasons. People will break covenant with the church body that God has inserted them into for reasons they should never be, like through an offense that you just can't let go of. You've even talked to the person, they've asked for forgiveness, but you just keep holding on to that thing. Or when someone didn't say hello to you, just passed you in the hallway, you took an offense to that. Or the fact that no one called me after missing the last three weeks. Or even with this whole COVID mess. Because make no mistake about it, the enemy is using this to bring division within the church. And he's doing so with our disagreements on whether we should wear masks or not, or whether we should get a vaccination or not. Or even when it's, you're not handling it the way I would handle it. This is what my family's doing. If you're not doing what my family's doing, you're no longer my friend. I'm no longer gonna hang around with you. You see, we are people of feelings. We feel things. And often our feelings get damaged for a variety of reasons. And believe me, I understand that. Do you actually think my feelings have never been hurt? 
in my years in ministry? The deal is to be able to look at your feelings with some perspective. And I'm not just talking about your personal perspective of the hurt and the anger and the frustration you're feeling, but look at it from the perspective of what would Jesus do? Well, let's see. Jesus was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denied him three times on the night that he was arrested. Soldiers mocked him, beat him, tore out hunks of his beard, and drove spikes into his hands and his feet. Even one of the men being executed next to him, a thief, mocked Jesus as he hung there on the cross dying. So let me ask you, did, did Jesus ever say, my feelings are hurt, and I'm angry, and I'm just going to call 10,000 angels and free me from all this garbage. I mean, after all, I am the son of God. I deserve to be treated better than I'm being treated. Uh, treated. I'm, I'm deeply offended by these mere mortals who are abusing me and mocking me and spitting on me and killing me. I didn't sign up for this. And look, where are all the people that I ministered to over the last three years? Where are the ones that I healed? They're not even here at the foot of the cross. What a bunch of unappreciative people. Not a one of them deserves me, and I should just walk away. Jesus didn't say any of that. Jesus didn't think any of that. He took everything. He didn't defend himself, his honor, or his deity. He never once pulled the trump card and said, you don't know who you're messing with here because I can vaporize you all. He didn't do that. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He didn't quit. He continued on with what God had placed him on this earth to do. And that should give us some great perspective that whenever something doesn't go our way, whenever our, our feelings get ruffled or hurt, it's not the time to leave and break covenant with people who love you and who care about you and who are aligned with you spiritually. It's a time when you dig in deep and, and, and you say, rather than leave, I am going to stay and I'm gonna work out any disagreement that I may have with another. This is my church home. And God has brought me here and I am getting fed here and I am growing here. So I refuse to break covenant with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you see how important this covenant keeping thing is in literally every part of our relational life? We serve a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. And he desires us to be covenant keepers as well. This is real serious business to God, ladies and gentlemen. Whether it's in your marriage or your family or in your friendships or at your church. And most importantly, in your relationship with God. I like the good news translation of Malachi 2 verse 16. Because the verse begins with this. Guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. Now, again, he's talking about the marriage covenant here, but the principle applies to every relationship. See, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. I mean, sometimes you need to respond to them with wisdom and discernment and sometimes even confront them. But Malachi says, you guard your spirit through all of that. You don't 
break faith. Imagine for a moment if, if all of us were to be first-class covenant keepers. Imagine marriages where, where every spouse was committed to offering faithful love. Children who day in and day out had a covenant-keeping mom or a covenant-keeping dad. Friendships that were marked by loyalty and truth and caring. A business community that looked inside these walls and said, you know, when you do business with someone from High Point Assembly, they are good. All you need is their word. Churches full of men and women in this community of God who stay strong together and walk the journey of Christianity side by side. And Christians who realize they aren't perfect, nor ever will be, but yet they continue to live their lives by honoring God. And when we make a mistake, we receive God's grace and we move forward instead of retreating backward and then stay in the covenant we've made with God and others. This is what God desires from us. So as we talk about God's standards of excellence, understanding promise-making and promise-keeping is high upon his list. Let's all be covenant keepers and live life today like there is no tomorrow. When you do that, God honors that. He honors lives that are lived with integrity. And he particularly honors those who keep their covenants that they have made. Liz, can you come forward and help me to close this down? I've done my best trying to present God's perspective and view of promises and promise keeping. And my prayer is that, like I have done this week, that you will reflect personally upon how you're doing in these very common areas of human life. Through Malachi, God is challenging us here today to reach toward a standard of excellence in all of our relationships because it's really one of the hallmarks of the Christian life. And I might add, it is one that is on display that everybody gets to see. There's nothing hidden about that because you're out in the open in the public, they see that. And so I wanna take a moment for us as a body of believers to pray about this individually. But before we do, it occurred to me that there may be people here today or watching online who have never entered a covenant relationship with Christ. You've never received the gift of salvation. If that describes you this morning, I wanna let you know that the Bible says, if you will confess your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So when we pray in a moment, you simply pray and you tell Jesus that you believe he is the son of God, that you believe that he is the only pathway to the father and eternal life. And you ask him to forgive you of your sin and to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Then you can leave here today knowing that you are in a right relationship, a covenant relationship with the Lord. And then you can really start living with the goal of maintaining excellence 
in all of your covenant relationships that you have in your life. Believe me when I tell you that kind of excellence can only come from being in a personal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and allowing his spirit to empower you to do things that you never thought you could do before. And for those who are, who are already in a redemptive relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray as well. If you know of areas where you're, you're breaking promises or covenant with others, you too need to ask God for, your, for forgiveness. And then you need to ask him for the strength and the ability and the know-how to change that and to start down a new path of you becoming a covenant keeper, not just some of the time, but all of the time. And here's a big one. Maybe you, you believe you're making good on all your promises, but you're not. You've actually convinced yourself that you are. That's why I say you need to sit down and really think about this. Because believe me, it becomes really, really easy to kind of sh shrug off our, our responsibilities. We really cut ourselves a lot of slack. We don't cut other people slack, but we cut ourselves a lot of slack. We say we're okay when we're not. We identify shortcomings in our life, but it's okay because it's me. But it's not okay with God. So we need to think about that. And we need to ask God to help us. We have a way of looking past our own deficiencies. That should be no more. I want to ask all of you to stand to your feet. We're going to bow our heads in prayer. And when we pray, I don't want you to just listen to my words. This is a time for you to be honest yourself to God. Pray in your own words and in your own way. Ask the Lord to help you in this area of covenant keeping. Ask for forgiveness for the covenants that you've broken and ask for the strength to make good on the promises and the commitments and the covenants that you have made in your life and to become the man or the woman of God that he truly desires you to be. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that throughout the Bible are examples of parallels that run parallel to everything we experience in this life. It may have been written thousands of years ago, but we as humans never change. The only way we change is through you. So we see these same patterns in our world that have been going on for little thousands and thousands of years. But God, when we truly commit our lives to you, we have the ability to change. We have the ability to be covenant keepers, not just makers, but keepers. My prayer is, Father, and it has been all week that you would open all of our eyes individually to areas where we need to give a greater level of effort. Those times when we say you can count on me, but people can't. We tell people we'll be there and we, we don't show up. We promise our children something and don't make good on that promise. We start to treat our spouse like a roommate and not like the, the bride or the groom that we were deeply in love with and cherished, made all those promises to on that day. 
So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict us of areas where we are wrong. Convict us of areas where we have fallen short and not just convict us, but draw us to the cross where we can seek help. We can ask you, Father, to strengthen us in these areas and to show us how to become first-class covenant keepers. That's our desire. That's our goal. Father, I pray for my church family here today that this would be the goal for each and every one of us. I thank you for the covenants that we keep well. The consistency that I see in the lives of so many people. But Father, even those of us who do well fall from time to time. Call that to our attention. And Father, as we talked about earlier, if we sin, if we fall out of your grace, that we don't just walk away, but that we come back to receive the forgiveness we need because you're always there to wrap your loving arms around us and to say, come back, my child. All is forgiven. And then we start once again on a new path. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your spirit that empowers us to be able to do these things. But my prayer is that you would give us the wherewithal to really focus on this and to act accordingly. If there's anyone here today, Father, doesn't know you, I pray that they would ask you to be Lord of their life, ask for forgiveness of their sin, that you would cleanse them of all unrighteousness and they could start on a new journey in a covenant with you which will lead to stronger covenants in everything that they do. Fathers, we go our separate ways. I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct our steps, our path, the things we do, the places we go, the conversations that we have. Let them be conversations that build up and not tear down. I pray, as always, that we will be a shining light in this dark world and that that light would be so bright that people would come to us and say, what is it that's different about you? And you open the door for us to share your goodness with them. Pray that this week you would give each one of us an opportunity to share how good you are with someone else and that we would act upon that opportunity in faith, knowing that you'll give us the right things to say. I pray between now and the time we meet together again, Lord, that you would keep us safe from sickness and illness. Ask that you would keep us safe from any accidents that might befall us so that we can gather together again and worship you as a family a loving family in spirit and in truth. I thank you for your presence here today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, even after we leave this place throughout the week. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here.